0: How y'all doing? Good? Excellent. Well, uh, we'll get straight to work. Hey, uh, we are doing a little bit of a series about redeeming Christmas. Next Sunday, at this point in time, it looks like uh, Ted Hitzke is going to be speaking. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Ted Hitzke is an older man who's been coming to the church here um, basically since it started. He's had significant health issues. In fact, I am not. I don't know everyone's history here, but probably he's got the best record over the last decade of probably anyone in the room. He's uh, had five heart bypasses, he's broken his back, had to have that operated on. He currently actually literally has 12 cancer chambers in his body. Um, and uh, he has uh, done a fantastic job, in my view, of trusting God. He, he says uh, they pray every night that uh, God would heal him. And his wife actually uh, this year contracted breast cancer. Uh, on top of all of that uh, they pray uh, every night that God would uh, heal him uh, because if God doesn't he's probably he's not going to be with us that much longer that's probably the the nasty side of it but the guy keeps trusting God and God hasn't healed him yet and that's a pretty hard thing to do and it's a good thing for us to learn from uh, an older statesman in the church about how to trust God when he doesn't do what you want him to do because he doesn't always do what you want him to do does he? So uh, that's, uh, that's going to be happening next week. We were hoping it was going to happen this week, but it didn't quite work out, so bad luck you get me, all right? And we're doing Redeeming Christmas. Now, for those who were here last week, the answer to this question, what do you give to someone that has it all is what? Nothing. Nothing. Excellent. Good, because this is the Christmas spirit. No, uh, not really. But you get what I'm saying. The weird thing is we live in a Western culture that has lots and lots of money and lots and lots of stuff, all right? I had this conversation with my father on the phone yesterday where he said, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, well, there's pretty much nothing that I really need. All right? Which means that we actually... That's a really good opportunity to redeem Christmas. All right? For Jesus. Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. The uh, church here, if you're new today, some of you are new, is called The Project. It probably could be called The Over the Hedge Church because out of all the movies that I play clips out of, Over the Hedge kind of gets the most playing. A fascinating movie even though it's animated, because it actually makes a lot of really fascinating commentary about human beings and what they find important. I'm not going to give you much of an intro to this. Um, this is basically where the whole movie starts. It starts with this raccoon at a vending machine, all right? And the rest of the movie happens, for those who have seen it, the rest of the movie happens the way it happens because of this raccoon right at the very start. So I'll just roll it, and it uh, goes for about three minutes, but it's uh, really worthwhile. basically the deal here, sorry, my apologies for it being a bit dark, but basically the deal here is all this food, he gets all the food from the other side of the bear, and he loves spuddies, alright, so he can't handle just having a whole wagon load of stuff, he's got to actually take all of it, and he starts off saying, I'll just take what I need, and he ends up taking all of it, and the rest of the movie is about him paying back the bear for all the food that he stole from the bear. It's, uh, it's an interesting uh, thing that we find in our Western culture, which I think probably we've uh, observed. Check this cool uh, lad out from uh, about goldfish. thing is uh, about all of this is uh, I was reading this article the other day and this guy talked about The heading of it was covering the, te- the acceptable sin. And it's a strange thing. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, but it's a, it's a strange thing. You would think in a Western materialistic culture we would hear in our community groups lots of people confessing the sin of covetousness, wouldn't we? Because that's it's a huge thing that our whole culture is built on. The weird thing is that we don't. The weird thing is that a goldfish, even though it lives in water, you don't actually talk to a goldfish. Well, you couldn't anyway, but you don't talk to it to find out what the wetness of water is like, do you? Because it doesn't know anything else. And in a lot of ways, if uh, we had someone who uh, could come and speak, it was, from, it was from another culture, and would talk to us about materialism and coveting, that would be far better than me, all right? Because in a sense, I'm kind of like the goldfish this morning telling you about what we're like. In a lot of ways, it's best to get out of the culture... Get someone from outside the culture to come in and say, "Hey, this is what you like. This is what I can see." That can be very informative. But anyway, uh, it's, you get me today, all right? So what I did is I thought I'm going to go for a bit of a stroll through uh, through Grand Central, our local shopping centre, and I'll take a few photos in Grand Central. This is uh, Wednesday morning, of uh, the marketing and that kind of stuff that happens uh, in Toowoomba. So I started off as all men do at the body shop. <laughs> And I thought this was interesting. This is you know, there's something a bit redemptive here. Give joy. And then it actually says down the bottom, give joy this Christmas with the body shop. And I'm pretty sure it's joys for their cash registers. Alright? It's a little bit dodgy at the moment. And then interestingly down here, but there's something in it for you. We'll give you five thousand dollars maybe. Interesting. What about this one? The magic of Christmas. You know what the magic of Christmas is? Is that in 2013 you'll be paying interest on what you buy for people for Christmas this year. Because you get 540 days interest free. That's, that's a gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? <laughs> interest. Yeah. Cool. The magic of Christmas. Great savings store wide. Although, first up to you at this point, one year, uh, and all the females here were just getting You're here. Because I was. All right? And you just don't say it out loud, alright? right? You can think it, because I know you will. But I bought this really expensive perfume for my wife over here, and I've got permission if I'm going to share this story, because basically it makes her look good and me look like a loser. And she's always happy for me to share stories like that. (laughs) So, um, I buy this really cool perfume, right? Now, you just got to understand, I'm I'm really glad none of my family came today, because my whole family, I kid you not, it's all about getting the deal, all right? That's what it is. It's just, our whole family is all getting the deal. They go and buy stuff sometimes, I reckon. They don't even want it. They just go, man, I've got like 70% off on this thing. Right? Just go, what'd you get it for? Someone's 70% off, man. And that's that's the first thing you say. Some of my family members, uh, literally, I'm not even making this up, they get together and the first thing they talk about sometimes at family gatherings is what they bought at Aldi. True. Man, you should see what I got the other day at Aldi. I I don't want to see. I'm not even that interested. All right? But they have a bit of a talk about it. Anyway, so I've gone... In the spirit of uh, my family, and uh, I bought this really expensive perfume, right? Now I've looked at the price tag and i am just gone, sprayer, no sprayer. $15 more, save $15. Alright, so I'm just, I'm going on the no sprayer option. I'll spend $100 and the girls already are just going, you idiot. What did you do that for? <laughs> I'm just going, I'm saving 15 bucks on the perfume, right? So I'm going, no sprayer, right? And then I give it to my wife and I tell her, that I actually went the no sprayer option because it was cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all the women are going, oh, you're a loser. Yes, I can be a real loser. Who knows that you just don't do that because the point about a present is that it actually costs you something, isn't it? Isn't that right? Yeah, some people are going, I shouldn't have come to this church today. <laughs> Strangely enough, you see a lot of this, don't, don't you love this? Love Christmas, love paying less. Isn't that? Because that's the spirit of Christmas, isn't it? I can get out of it as cheap as I can. Alright? Albie don't have it, so I'll go to Priceline. Strange figure, he's keeping in eye on things. I don't, know, I don't even know who that is. It could be Buddha, it could be any one of their 30 million Hindu gods. Uh, but he's keeping watch over things. I thought that was interesting. That's a tree of life story in Grand Central. I thought, yeah, I'd love to see what they've got to say about Christmas, but they didn't really say anything. They talked about summer a lot. Like we're having summer yeah. <laughs> And this guy, yeah, come on. This is life size. Seriously, do you want to win that? What are you going to do with that?
1: <laughs> See, the only thing
0: I could think you'd do, you could do with that is use the costume to dispose of a dead body. Like everyone would be going, oh, it's just Sam. <laughs> right?
1: That's about it. Just, I, don't, I don't
0: want him. How much would that? The kids get up in the middle of the night, they go to the toilet. Is something standing eye-size <laughs> and it's not even Christmas night and it looks like Santa. they're going, it's got to be an intruder. You can win that. This is interesting. Copper uh, I should say ten 80 percent off. Imagine saying this, look, I went to Home Art to get your present. I saved 80% at retail at 20, i got it for four bucks. <laughs> and they're going, I love you, man. And you just cheered, that's good, let's save lots of money. Uh, this is I love this one, right? This is out the front of Maya. Don't you love this? Isn't that the most ridiculous statement you've heard in your life? My gift cards, the perfect gift for, for Christmas. It's not a gift, is it? It's, I don't know. I'm not against gift cards because I give them, right? But let's not just say the person that walks in the K-mart in a mire and can find a service desk to buy a gift card as has per- purchased the perfect gift. They haven't even thought about it. And mind you, here we go. And this one's good too. This is... Uh, Jump in at Christmas. This is down at the bottom of the escalator on uh, the bottom floor of Myer. Shop today, three months to pay, jump right in. Alright, you get three months before the interest starts getting calculated. Alright? Another one of the gift that keeps on giving, but don't you love this down at the bottom? You get seven thousand bonus Maya One rewards points for year. <laughs> then you get to the makeup counter and uh, you see this the joy of giving. So every now and then the shops start to get things a little bit right. But then they, uh, they can blow out pretty hard. On, uh, the 31st, sorry, on the 30th of November, there was an outstanding newspaper article about Christmas in there, And it was called, Yuletide Heralds the Season of Greed. And uh, we're going to read through quite a bit of this article. I'm tempted to read through the whole lot because this guy is just all over what happens at Christmas. I was interested to see the Americans embracing the true spirit of Christmas this week. Craze Bargain Hunters fought over a waffle machine that was reduced to $2 at a doorbuster sale at a Walmart store in Little Rock, Arkansas. There were similar riots, riots, this is the spirit of Christmas, isn't it? Let's go and kill each other. Um, at stores across America, as the holiday shopping season opened and buyers rushed for iPads, iPhones, jewelry and clothing. So greedy, I love this one. So greedy was one California. that she pepper-sprayed rival shoppers. That's just taking it to a whole new level. Right? So she could have first dibs at the bargains in the electronics store of a Los Angeles Walmart store. If you're in line, you'd be going, just take it, don't spray me with that stuff. I don't care. Have the waffle iron. Then you can go to Jenny Craig after it. The unidentified woman in her 30s was trying to get advantage over the items being sold on sale when she turned a can of mace on the other customers. In another incident, a shopper was in a critical but stable condition. It's not normally what you expect at the shops. After would be robbers shot him in the car park of Walmart in uh, San Leandro, California. And then he starts to make some comments. In an increasingly secular society, one might ask did Jesus Christ die on the cross for a $2 waffle machine? Interesting comment. In Britain, the chief rabbi. The Jews, Lord Sachs, warned people not to swap moral values for consumerist ones. Lord Sachs fired a few salvos at the Latter-day Saint Steve Jobs. He likened Jobs Jobs to a consumerist Moses coming down the mountain with two tablets, <laughs> I've had one and I've had two, and the result is that we now have a culture of iPod, iPhone, iTunes, I. I, I. Interesting, isn't it? Consumerism was, he said, the most efficient mechanism ever devised for the creation and distribution of unhappiness. Interesting. This is going against the grain. Jews do not believe that Jesus was the Son of God or the promised Messiah, so they do not celebrate Christmas. Nevertheless, Lord Saxon's comments are relevant. A selfish consumer culture has risen to devour Christmas. Wow, that's intense. Here comes an opportunity, folks, if you love Jesus, to redeem for him. At an electronics store in Indooroopilly the other day, I watched a couple contemplating the purchase of a 65-inch Panasonic Plasma TV. I haven't got the rest of this quote, but he talks about how they took so long to decide on a TV because they weren't sure what size they wanted. That was the issue. The issue was oversized. Sorry, this is blurry, but uh, this to be copied. Lord Saks blames advertising to help, for helping to create a material world filled with greed, and he is right we told the Interfaith Conference of Jews and Christians in London that advertising only made shoppers aware of what they did not have. It makes you aware all the time of the things you don't have instead of thanking God for all the things you do have. Isn't this interesting? People are looking for values other than the values of a consumer society. Hey, if this is true, we're in the prime place for it, aren't we? Absolutely prime place to reveal it and to deliver it to the people around us. The values of a consumer society really aren't ones you can live by for terribly long. Interesting comment. Slick advertising is almost hypnotic. Muslims too regard conspicuous overconsumption as an ethical obscenity when there is so much hunger in the world. Let's skip that. You get the point. There's a real opportunity for us to redeem Christmas. Check this out. This is a, I'm going to skip Nathan Brown. This is a, a fascinating uh, doco that was on the ABC a little while ago called Consuming Kids. And uh, what's really interesting about this is it's really it looks like it's uh, a real bash on marketers for what they're doing to our children uh, in terms of kind of warping their minds toward particular products or indoctrinating them. This is just the first thirty seconds out of the uh, out of the Docker, so check this out. just after the kids, they're after you too. They're after me. That's what they're after. And you know what they're trying to do? I've been thinking about this quite a bit over the last few days. Marketers ultimately are trying to make you feel like you need something that you don't have. That's what they're doing. And the weird thing about this, if we put it in the context of coveting, what marketers are actually trying to get you to do is they're trying to get you to cover. It. That's what they're doing. And they, they want to get you to a point where you feel like you need something that is only one. That it has to be part of your life. And if they do that, they've won most of the battle. They're uh, probably 90% of the way there toward you actually purchase it. The weird thing is that the Bible makes it really clear in Colossians 3, verse 5, that coveting is actually idolatry. Colossians 3, verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. What's an idol? Well. An idol is, is obviously a God that you worship. That's not the true God. And so coveting becomes idolatry when you actually trust in what a, a good or a service could produce for you more than what you trust in God. So you look at an iPhone and you think, that's really cool. I think that's going to make me happier than what God could make me. It's not that an iPhone is evil. It's when an iPhone takes on a godlike characteristic that it will bless you and it will help you in a way that you think God won't, it's become an idol for you. And this is why I think Paul's saying here that when you covet something, you're actually an idolater, Because it's that whole process where I actually... And this is the weird thing think, because you don't actually think about it this way, but when you covet something, what you're really saying is, I don't trust God to deliver on what he said he's going to deliver, but I trust this thing to do it. So I'm going to buy a house because I know I've a nice house with lots of insurance. I'm going to be safe and secure. And if I put my primary dependence upon that and not upon Jesus, I've actually turned that into an idol. And I've said to God that you can't deliver on what you promised for me. You can't deliver on the fact that you said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will look after you and you will not be lost. I'm strong. I can be your saviour. I can protect you. And it's not that insurance and houses are bad, but they become... In a sense, a demonic idol. When we desert the promises of God and the invitation of God for us to trust Him, and then we go and we trust in things, it's really fascinating. If you look at the uh, Ten Commandments, if you notice what the first and the last commandments are. First one is, "You shall have no other gods before Me." And the last one, "You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant." Or his ox. Some of you are going, dang it, I was. Or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbours. I don't know. Maybe an ox is like a, a VW car or something, and a donkey's like a Kia. I don't know. <laughs> Anyone know the Kia? I hope not. <laughs> Isn't this interesting? The bookends of the uh, the Ten Commandments are both actually about idolatry. They're about what God that you worship. Really, really fascinating, because the reality is, if you've been here at the project before, you would have heard us say this, human beings worship all of the time. You can't stop human beings worship, you just do. All that changes is the thing that you worship. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said that uh, when people stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing, they then believe in anything. So the interesting question, if uh, someone was standing at the front, and in one sense Jesus is here, and he knows exactly where you've all been this week, in terms of your thought life and your heart's, he would know um, what you worship. Is like. He just knows that. He knows that all the time. He knows what, when you worship Him. He knows when you have it. And that's why uh, when we get together and sing, we do our best not to call it worship, because at the end of the day, it's only a very small part, and it's actually just corporate worship. That's what it is. Corporate worship is where you get a bunch of people together and we all sing about Jesus and say cool things about Him, because He is cool. But worship happens incessantly. You do it all the time. All the time. And I do it all the time. The question is, what do you actually worship? So there's a bit of an issue here of, with covetousness. That the Bible actually deals with the pointlessness of covetousness and getting things. He who loves money will not be... I mean, it's true. We don't have to have a show of hands. But it's probably true that some of you, you know this. You got money, and you're just saying it didn't work. It actually didn't satisfy me. But the weird thing is, there's a whole bunch of us that probably still think that if we had enough money, we'd have a happier life. I mean, I'm not sure whether we'll share it next week, but that's one thing uh, that Ted Hitzke, I think, has shared with us and shared with the leaders of the church here. It it, it just doesn't work. You think that you get all the stuff, you get all the toys, and you're going to be happy. Well, you're not going to be happy. I mean, it's just... Over and over, I was just talking to one of my next little neighbours actually yesterday about this. And, uh, he's just been over to uh, Thailand, and he said, the kids over there have got nothing and they're just so much happier than our kids. You see, because we bought the line and we took the bait from the marketers that you're going to be more happy and you're going to be more satisfied when you get more stuff. And the weird thing is, I remember sitting with this, uh, with this older friend of my dad's in a Chinese restaurant uh, probably 20 years ago. Joking about how if you had a tablespoon of monosodium MSG, monosodium glutamate, you'd die. Alright? And we just joking. and we said, we well, just bring me a cup. You know, we'll order that from the waiter when they come up next. But in a sense, that's what it is. When we fall victim or become the prey of the marketers and covetousness, it's really like drinking salt, isn't it? You think, well, this tastes good. It's going to satisfy us for a bit, but it just makes you more and more thirsty and uh, maybe even in some cases we've probably all seen movies where the people are stranded in a boat and they don't have any fresh water and there's a temptation there's water everywhere they should start drinking it but what bit. <coughs> they want to solve water a bit to and you actually end up going mad that's not kind of what happens in the end And you see that, don't we, with consumption and consumerism. We actually see people consuming, consuming, consuming. It's going to make me happy, happy, happy. It's going to satisfy, satisfy, satisfy. It makes me more crazy than ever. It makes me a victim. It actually makes me a slave or a servant to that God. Part 418. This is the parable of the sower. There were the seedpools. He says, and others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the tears of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now I don't know any of you probably well enough to say that this next comment is about you, but in a group this size in a Western country in Australia but most of us have got money in our bank accounts, the chances are that we've got people here that are unfruitful because they've been choked by the desire for wealth. And it's not even that you have wealth, alright? Sometimes you can be really poor and you just going kind to of go, oh man, if I was rich, you know, my like ghost people I'd be less holy than what I am now. So if I'm poor and I don't have any money, I'm, I'm more holy. But couplessness is not about any things, it's about money thing. See, poor people can have the same issue that rich people have, because they just want more and more stuff. And sometimes we can think, oh, I'm way more holy, because I want more stuff, but I can't get it, and I'm really frustrated, but that makes me better, because I don't have as much stuff as that person. Well, the truth is that you can be coveting and seeking after that stuff every bit as hard as the other person. It's just that you don't get it. And so you're kind of an angry, covetous person. (laughs) All right? The other person's... Oh, I don't want to say happy because they tend not to be happy either. They're, they're a dissatisfied, covetous person. The person that's able to buy it and the person who can't get it but wants it is a frustrated, angry one. And I wonder, as Jesus looks at all of us today, I suspect probably for all of us there'd be areas in our life where we've been touched by materialism and consumerism and he would look at us and just go, Peter, you're not as fruitful as he could be and you can say your name, you're probably not as fruitful as you could be. I mean, we just can't get away from it. It's just everyone. I mean, is it good to look at store brushes? Absolutely. I mean, what now, I think one of the most frustrating teams is to go window shopping when you don't have any money. Is anyone with me on that? Yeah. That is frustrating, right? Then you just become the frustrated, angry, coverless person instead of the dissatisfied one, right? Because you're there He's you just going, seriously, i would be happy. If, if I had that foot spa with the three-speed kind of vibration setting, I think I'd be a lot happier. All right? You're just going, no, it's not going to happen. It won't work for you. The Bible says say, it just won't work for you. God says, come to me and depend upon me. We say, no, go to the shops and depend upon stuff. That's stupid. But don't we do it? One Timothy 6, verse 6 to 7, and then is great, great gain in Godliness, brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. Stuff, materialism, consumerism, covenant lets you down probably at the greatest point of need. Unless Jesus comes back we're all going to have a day where we die. We're all going to have a day where we're lying on a bed and our life ebbs away. You see you're not going to think at that point in time, I wish I had the ballpoint pen that had five different colours in it, instead of a single colour. (laughs) Alright? If I had that, this would be easier today. Alright? Or the DVD recorder, man. Seriously, I need to be able to record stuff on TV, and this would make it easier to die right now. Alright? It's ludicrous, because it's stupid. It's dumb. Because materialism and stuff fails you at the time that you need it the most. You need help the most. So, covetousness and getting stuff, it's weird because I'm, I'm in the thick of it as much as you guys. We're all in the goldfish pond together of uh, materialism and consumerism. I'm telling you, it just doesn't work. Biblically, God's saying to you, He's saying to me, don't get sucked into it. It won't work for you. So, here we go. We're going to settle up. How can we redeem it? How can we redeem Christmas? This is what it's all about. You're all kind of thinking. this is about Christmas, this is how it gets about Christmas. You know what the Bible says to do? It says to be content. I'm going to show you some scriptures about this but the person I'll say this first, the person who is content regardless of their circumstances is an extremely strong person aren't they? They are a very very strong person. Most of the weakness of being human is that we get really discontent, frustrated and angry when we don't get what we want. If it were possible that all of us in this room could get to a place consistently where we're just really happy with what we've got, we'd be in a really, really strong place. We would be a force to be reckoned with. We would be very fruitful, wouldn't we? And I think there is an opportunity for you and me and... uh, Every Christian in Australia to model contentment at Christmas time. I think it's a huge opportunity. It's about doing family stuff, it's about doing presents, it's about going shopping from a position and a place of contentment rather than from a position and place where I need to get more stuff because that's going to make me happier, where it's idolatry. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. I'll read uh, a couple of these verses again. There is great gain in godliness with contentment. Now, we're going to read the rest, but you've got to pause there, right? Now, when the Bible says there is great gain, it means there's great gain. All right? More gain than you can get anywhere else. There is great gain. Like So, if all of us get really content at Christmas time this year, there will be great gain for you. Like, sometimes we read, we read stuff that's in the Bible, and we kind of go, oh, that's interesting. And we read on the next five verses. There's great gain. Gain. Do you want gain? The Bible assumes, God assumes, that you want gain. Alright? There's nothing wrong with gain. you just got to get gain in the right place. If you get great gain, and you think you're going to get it somewhere else, you will be disappointed. God says, come and get great gain. Be content. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, now yeah, I've got an empty tummy this morning. So be content. That's what Paul's saying. If you've got food and you've got clothing, be content. We can all be content sitting here today. I mean, we could turn the fans off, and we could start sweating and smelling each other's BO, right? And Paul would say, you've got food, you've got clothing, it's wet and it stinks, but you're content. You can be content. All right? For those who desire to be rich, which is pretty much every single person in a Western country, all right? And not so much, well, let me, let me cash it out a little bit clearer and be a little bit more precise about it. We are all rich. Worldwide, we are rich. Virtually anyone in a Western country, probably except those who are on the streets, there's some people probably in the really lower class and aren't rich. But worldwide, we would probably comfortably say every single person in this room is rich. Did you start? Alright? Kind of go, yeah, hey, I've got a mortgage and I've got troubles and I've got a credit card bill. Alright? So pay them off. Alright? But you're still rich. Okay? I haven't got the data here but I remember reading a little while ago the, the, uh, the net worth of every Australian It's in the thousands of dollars. The average net worth of every Australian is in the thousands of dollars. We're rich. Alright? The point of this is Paul's going to go on and say, being rich. But wanting to be rich is dangerous. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Fight the good fight of the faith. The fighting of the good fight of the faith is the fight to be content with what you have. Now, some of you might be thinking this morning, Tom, is it wrong to make money? No, it's not wrong, it's just dangerous. So you need to be really careful. Paul's saying, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. So, as long as you can make money and not love it, you're going to be okay. Now, most of us probably know some people who are very rich, but they live like they're poor. You know someone like that? But they've got lots and lots of money, maybe over the million. And they give so much of it away. And they don't live poor because they're trying to make a statement to everyone. They just think the point of money is for them just to get by so they can give as much of it away as they can. The church needs more businessmen who try to make money, but don't love it, don't they? that's That's a wonderful footing for the gospel to get out there. I mean, probably Dazzy, you know that at the moment. is trying to set some stuff up uh, to do with speaking and maybe some radio stuff. We've just been talking about it. I hope I'm not out of turn by sharing this, but I mean, he's got some Christian businessmen, I think, that are keen to get on board and, and support him and, and bankroll some stuff. We need businessmen, Christian businessmen, that want to make lots and lots of money but don't love it. But it's dangerous, isn't it? And really, the only antidote. the love of money is just to give it away. Alright? And this is one way that we can actually redeem Christmas. We'll get to that in a minute. But one way that all of us can redeem Christmas and redeem materialism is just give more money away. It's probably, in in your heart, you probably think, man, I don't want to get stuck in covenant we'll give money away. And if you're still having troubles with it, give more away. And then just keep giving more away. And, And have the spirit of Paul in there where he's saying, if, we'll have, if we have food and clothing, we'll be content. Hallelujah. Fight the good fight against covetousness. Be content. It's easy for me to say I've got a four bedroom house. I've got plenty of money in my bank account, but listen to Paul. Philippians 4. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Christmas time is an opportunity for us to model what Paul did. Learn how to be content before you have Which is why when someone comes up and says, what do you want for Christmas? What do you need? What can I buy you for a present? And you think, I can't think of anything. Why not think of something totally outside the box? Instead of getting them to buy something that you don't need, i to buy something else. I'll have some ideas about that in a bit. God calls us in a positive sense. He says, David says in Psalm 119, he says, God, incline my heart to your testimonies and not the selfish God. Pull my heart away from money, the love of money, the love of stuff, and help me to incline my heart to You. This is where He runs in. And there's great gain in godliness and contentment. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Well, He just said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So you turn to God and you say, I don't want to be intent, I don't want to covet. I'm going to come to You because I know that You promised me that You'll never leave me. You'll never desert me, and I can trust in you. I don't need to keep looking at my bank account. I don't need to be looking at Amazon.com all the time. Checking eBay out to see what the the cheapest deal is. Picking up the brushes and checking that out. Because God told me that he'll never leave me off the sacred. God told me that he'll do everything to look after me that I need. God told me that if I need a veggie white sandwich, and that will stop me coming to ruin, I will get the veggie white sandwich. Because he promised I'll get everything I need. Alright, so you're going, know, that could be the end of they day Virgin Alright, but he promises that. Alright, he promises that what you need, he will provide. So you don't be anxious about it. You don't, I mean, this is something I had to apply in the last week. Because Aussie dollars so high, and I'm thinking, what deals can I get on Amazon? I was just going, I'm off. Alright, I'm off Amazon. Alright, this is a, see the high Aussie dollar consumerism and sondergalism, all kind of combined to like, I could get this cracking deal and then I could be like at the top of the Sondergill Pyramid, you know, because I've got the most amount of anyway. <laughs> so you don't go to that. You go back to God. And at Christmas time, isn't it about Jesus and God gave, God the Father gave his son. I'm, I'm going to talk about this on uh, Christmas morning. God gave his son and called him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'll give you my Son, and He'll walk with you, and He'll be on the earth. And then I'll give you my Holy Spirit, and He'll live inside of you. You don't need the iPod, alright? You don't need the new computer. You don't need the new motorbike. You don't need any of that stuff. You just need me. Now, I might give you some of that stuff, but God's got a nasty habit of taking stuff away if that's become your God. Because if he didn't, he wouldn't be very loving, would he? True? If he's a good dad and he loves you, and you start worshipping another God that's going to work you over, even if it be Steve Jobs, alright? I'll take it away. I'll take it away from you. So turn and put covetousness to death. And one way to do that is to learn content. Be content. Redeeming Christmas, too. Modern Thanksgiving. I reckon at this time of year, there's probably nothing that's going to be more stark in our culture than someone who's really content, someone who's really thankful. Now, I remarked to my wife yesterday that there's a good deal of Christmas cheer still happening in the car parts in Toronto isn't there? Have you noticed it? But probably in the next ten days, it's going to go to hell. In the next ten days, right? And all all the demon-possessed drivers are going to get out, and they're all going to converge on Grand Central Car Park at the same time, all right? And you'll just happen to be there right in the middle of it, and people will be waving to each other with one finger, all right? And, And it'll be nasty, all right? But the truth is... The closer we get to Christmas, people get more stressed. They're trying to get their gifts together. That the, the crowds are big. And you get to the point, and we, we see this in, uh, when we go shopping quite a bit, and it's cool. I don't know who it is, but anyone who's got kids and you're walking through the shop, my boys, seriously, they're like cut snows. Right? It's almost like there's a, there's a magnetic attraction between my boys' chests and other people's knees. You know, they're just, they're, they're walking with you, you, Think it's all sweet, and then they're, Eesh,
1: into a foreign
0: shopper you've never met before, right? And, you, and you're kind of going, sorry, and try, be really apologetic, and I reckon probably 60 to 70% of people don't even acknowledge the apology that you give them. You know, and I think maybe part of that is, is that maybe our culture has lost. Maybe they're hurt, <laughs> right? They're just broke their femur, all right? But, but maybe it's because we've lost the spirit of thanksgiving. We've just got a, a mentality of rights, and we think that we deserve stuff. And so when someone else tries to patch something up, we don't. Some people don't even look at us. They don't even look at you in the eye. And that's uh, my encouragement to you today. Pursue thanksgiving. Pursue it with the cash register operators, right? You just going, I'm getting fleeced here. Alright? It's a better gift if you lose more money. Don't go to Sunday Godism way. It's a better gift if you lose more money if it costs you more, right? And thank them. I mean, I've, God's really helped me with this this week. I, I just really want to bless. I was at Target yesterday and I just thought, I just really want to bless the lady and service at the check She's probably getting $9.50 an hour, alright? She's probably just been going off at by someone about 15 minutes ago. And she's taking my money, which is not normally a time where you say thank you to someone, right? This is kind of the Robin Hood thing. Steal my money, thanks for that. I appreciate it. But, I don't know, be nice to me. Awesome. All right, now, one of the lines that I use all the time is, and you don't have to use my lines, you make up your own, all right? Because quotation marks are difficult when you're doing it orally, all right? But one of the things I say to people is I just, I just say, Really appreciate your help today. You can say thank you. If that's your thing, say thank you. Just say, look, I really appreciate your help. And it's just kind of like, well, I just took your money. That's exactly right. I appreciate your help. Just think of your own way way to say it. And and have that attitude of uh, Thanksgiving. It's interesting, if you get to Ephesians chapter 5, verse uh, 3 and 4 there, you actually see that Thanksgiving is actually another antidote for covetousness. The sexual immorality, and all impurity, or covetous, covetousness, must not be even named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be what? Thanksgiving. So, don't use your lips to say rude things and dumb things. Use your lips to be thankful. Use your lips to uh, express your thankful heart. All right. This is the uh, antidote. This is the antidote for covetousness. You see, if you go to uh, Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin are what? You see, the only thing, theologically, that we all deserve is actually death. That's the thing that we have a right to. And anything better than that, we should be really thankful. Christians should be the most thankful people on the face of the planet. Amen? They should be. And they shouldn't just be, it's, it's not like, oh, I'm just thankful in my heart. Um, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure if you really knew how much cool stuff God has given you and how blessed you are, you wouldn't be able to help it coming out of your mouth. And just to get that thankful heart where we just go, I am going to strike a a mortal blow to covetousness by going around and just being (coughs) thankful all the time. I can't believe what I've got. I can't believe the weather today. How good was it that we got 20 mils of rain in the middle of our Christmas party down the hill there last time, right? I'm telling you, it was outstanding. We had this whiz Christmas party all planned, all right, Dave and Carolyn up the back there kind of did most of the organisation. We had this jumping castle. Man, everyone was getting into it, and then the storm came, all right? And you know, from my point of view, the storm was almost the coolest part of it because this dude who uh, kind of works out at uh, the A.T. Army Aviation Base, he had an old army tent, don't ask how he got it, in his shed, he brought it down. It's about a 4x4 tent, and I kid you not, we've got like 10 or a dozen of us from the neighbourhood huddled in this tent. Right? People are bringing food in, all right, which was cool. I was thankful for that. They're bringing food in. And what is it? Well, the neighbourhood's in a tent for about an hour just talking together. I had like the best. I said to him last night, I said that was one of the most fun nights I've had all year. You know, But you could sit around and go, oh, you know, get all twisted and bitter and go, oh, I wish we didn't get the storm, all right. We're just going, no, because then the kids got on the jumping castle, right? And it was slick, eh? It was so slick. Because <laughs> we were going to have like a, a black plastic slide going down the side of our house over there. Well, we just comboed the whole thing into this jumping castle because it was, they were doing the slide on the jumping castle. There were no concussions. We didn't have to go to hospital. It was a great night. So be thankful about stuff. Be thankful that the weather's warm. Be thankful that it's cool and you've got a house. Just be thankful. Find something. There's always something. I mean, if we go back to the previous uh, one of the previous scriptures about if we've got food and clothing, we'll be content, or anything above food and clothing. Say thank you for food and clothing. Yeah, man, that would be weird. You walk through the coals, uh, you know, check out, You got your food on the conveyor belt, and you just somewhere in a weird, non-tacky, non-corny way, just going, oh, I'm looking forward to this food. I'm so thankful I can buy this food. Here. That would be weird. Maybe it would be weird in a bad way. But you get what I'm saying? If you're really thankful and you realise what you've got, you just find a way to do it. Because instinctively a lot of you are going, oh, that's weird, man. I'm just going to be one of those weird Christians. Yeah, you'll be one of those weird Christians. Alright? Just get over it, because Jesus died for you so that he could provide everything that you need. And so when you talk about Jesus, other people are going to go, Oh, that's weird, because I didn't think Jesus bought all that stuff for me with his death on the cross. But you go, it doesn't matter, I do, and I reckon it's cool. Oh, we've got to get got to get a bit more bold, I reckon. Here we go. Here's some practical tips of things you can do to enhance your thankfulness. Alright? Some of you may already do them. Try this on out. Journal what is right with the world every day for a week in the lead up to Christmas. Just do that. Sit down every day, write half a page about what is right with the world. Most of the time, uh, a lot of us, I suspect, probably, we just think, well, I've got this, but I'm not looking at that because I need that. We're just thinking about all the stuff that's not right. I'm not happy with my boss. I'm not happy with how much money I've got here. I'm not happy that I haven't had a raise in 25 years. Right? Now, that would be bad because you'd be on about $2 an hour. Eh? All right? But there's still some stuff that's right with the world. So sit down and think about what it is. I mean, the fact that we could even be in a room like this, you could write that down, couldn't you? I mean, we could be out getting burnt to a crisp because that's the only place we can meet, which is kind of what happens in Haiti with the churches down there. I mean, some of them have got roofs, but after the earthquake, they've got tarps and they've just got to meet outside, a lot of them. Well, you could be thankful for that. Those of you people sitting under fans, yeah, fans are good. Who knows when you walk into your house and turn the air conditioner on that you're really thankful to the Lord sometimes for air conditioning? Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right? Probably some of us probably need to find some other people to share it with us. All right? If it's the Lord's air conditioner, let's get some of the other people that God made to come in and enjoy the air con. So journal what is right with the world every day for a week in the lead up to Christmas. Adjust your language and your thoughts to focus more on what is right with your world and thanksgiving for what you have, rather than what you think you need. This is a—I actually think this is pretty easy to do. I promise you. If you start being thankful, you get on a roll. You will. This is not hard. You just gotta, you just start saying thank you for stuff. And there's something—I don't want to get you know way over the top of it all, but there is something really powerful about the verbalization. of things sometimes, isn't it? You know, rather than just thinking about it. You know, I've, I've noticed it myself when people come up to me and they go. How you doing? You go, oh, man. It's almost like the, the, the kind of groan that comes out through what I say almost kind of makes me feel worse. You know, now if I fo- focus on what I've got and what I'm thankful for and people come up and go, hey, how are you doing? You go, man, it's a good day, isn't it? I mean, Ted Hitsky, you guys wouldn't know this, but he comes in almost every Sunday and says to me, he goes, what a great day. What a great day. This is so good. He said, Well, I'll be so blessed by God. He's going, Man, you've got 12 chambers, and you're telling me you're really blessed. He's got a spirit of thankfulness. He actually knows that he doesn't deserve anything good. He knows that. And so, anytime he did something good, he just overflows with it. it I tell you, especially, man, anyone who's younger than him, which is pretty much all of us, you should spend more time talking to him. Right? It's a real blessing. It's a real blessing about this from Paul Miller, cynicism looks reality in the face, calls it phony and prides itself on its insight as it pulls back thanksgiving looks reality in the face and rejoices at God's care with that that, I mean that's what we need to do isn't it look reality in the face and rejoice at the care of God even sometimes when he doesn't do what we want him to do number three getting close give generously christmas giving generously here we go let's get into it acts 20 verse 35 the lord jesus himself said it is more blessed to give than to do you believe that well we could check your bank account to find out if you believe that couldn't we and i'm not getting in your face about it but i'm just saying we could if you honestly believe that there's more of a blessing in giving than receiving your bank account should show that and it shouldn't show it just at Christmas time, it actually should show it the whole way through the year if we looked at your bank account and your credit card bills baby that's getting a bit uncomfortable here isn't it but check this out one of the things I love about God is he doesn't say look you need to be more generous he says I'm generous, be like me it's not like God's calling us to do something that he doesn't already do. He's just calling us to be like him. So the call to redeem Christmas, to redeem materialism and consumerism by being generous, is just to be more like God. Classic John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he was. He gave. There has never, ever been a more costly gift given than the, the gift of his son. Amen? There hasn't been. Because he ends up with spikes through his wrists and his feet on a cross for you when he should have been sitting on a throne he's a very wealthy person Jesus, anyone, I mean even if you look at the economics of uh, the world anyone who can create something with no input cost, right which is what God does, he creates out of nothing, he has no input cost he is the richest person by default he wins, alright, because he can make toys whenever he wants and he doesn't need to put iron ore in or uh, sheet metal, or plastic, or oil, or anything. In. He just makes whatever he wants. He is rich, and the richest person in the universe gave freely to us. And it wasn't like he gave. You know, sometimes people give a gift, and uh, and they go, "You know, how much that cost me?" <laughs> you, you know that? Have you ever seen that? That cost a lot. You better look after that. That's not a generous giver, is it? A generous giver is someone who gets a gift that costs them a significant amount and gives it without any strings attached. And this is exactly what God did in Christ, didn't He? He said, Project People, Sunday, two weeks before Christmas, you're going to celebrate in two weeks the birth of my son, which is my to you." And isn't that the weird irony about Christmas? Christmas? It's Jesus' birthday that we celebrate, but he often, for us, doesn't get any presents at Christmas time. That's weird. talk about that in a minute. Use God's money well. There's no doubt about it, biblically, that God owns everything that all of us own. Or we think we own. We're actually just stewards. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's his. Job 41.11 who was first given to me that I should repay him, God says. Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine, he says. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The credit cards are mine, the money's mine, the cars are mine, the houses are mine, the children are mine, they're all his. We are the stewards of his money. So you've got to be a good steward of his money. Don't waste it. All right? It's probably the case and he's given us an abundance of money because he wants us to be really wise at the way we distribute it. So do some of that at Christmas time. Give really generously at Christmas time. You say, yeah, but I've got a mortgage. Well, you probably have a mortgage for 25 years. And I can tell you, if you don't give generously for 25 years, the cancer in your heart from materialism and consumerism will have just about killed it by then. So you've got to work out ways, how am I going to give? And Christmas is a cool time to do it. Because everyone's giving each other presents, but the bottom line is the Christians should be given more. Shouldn't they? Like, of all the people that we would expect to be generous, it should be the Christians that are the most generous. Amen? Like, we, this is like one of those times where you almost need to outgive everyone else. Alright? That, yeah, that should be what you're heading for. Outgive. give Alright? Not because you want to put your name up in lights and you just go, Oh, what a champ, They right, gave a hundred dollar present and we only gave it a fifty, right? Don't do that. Okay? Because then you're just proud and you're like the devil and that's bad. You don't want to be like the devil, alright? He's a bad guy, just in case you don't know. Jesus is the guy you want to be like. He's the one that gives with no strings attached. On Timothy six. I read this before. I think we read it before, maybe we read five. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on, on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Ah, so you shouldn't feel bad about having some cool stuff. God's generous and he's given you some cool stuff, so enjoy it. Don't terminate on it. Go through it to him, but enjoy it. But the rich, which is all of us, are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So be really generous. I've got lots of good ideas for you on this one. Here we go. Big idea here, use God's resources for his glory and for other people's good. This is what we need to do. So I'm going to give you some ideas here. Number one. Choose gifts that will help to make God central in someone else's life. It occurred to me the other day that probably a lot of the time the gift requests that we have from people could be just feeding our idolatry a whole bunch of the time. It's like a little fetish, kinda a of little pet thing that we just love that kind of trips us up. Someone says, What do I buy? You? Oh give me some more of this. You know, it's almost like give me another line of crack cocaine, right? This is good stuff. Okay? So, I just challenge you, if you're someone and you're just kind to go, I think I've just asked for a bunch of presents that get in between me and God, go and get that sorted. Alright? And if you see someone else, you may be unpopular with this next suggestion, right? but if you love someone else for God's glory you'll seriously consider this, sometimes when someone else asks for a particular present, you might say, inside, you might say, I'm not going to buy them that because I know that won't be good for them. I'm going to buy them something else it's going to help you centre upon Christ and centre upon God. So think about the gifts that you give so that God becomes more central in other people's lives. Think about what would be good for them. Just think about what they want. Think about what would be good for them. Ask for gifts yourself that will make God more central in your life. That will increase your delight and enjoyment in Him. Ask for it. So people go... What would you like for Christmas? And you go, well I know what I'd like but the best thing for me is this. That sounds really dull you might sound like a Christian nerd right? but you'll get over it. But you might, you might be best just to ask for a good book from Kuron. Maybe you know the name You just go, I really think I need to read that. That would be a real blessing for me. So ask for it. Christmas is about Jesus anyway. I think if there's something that can enhance your relationship with Christ and your love for Christ, get that yeah, here's one. i said this last week. This is like throwing a tiger in amongst a flock of pigeons, right? You could do this one. Instead of getting a present, you say, I'd love it if you'd give $100, and you could really fragment, you go. Seriously, don't, don't waste some money on me. Just give $700 to this ministry, <laughs> all right? Because people are going to get to know Jesus through this ministry it doesn't have to be 700, you can really set it up nicely for that ministry <laughs> they go, oh I can't do that but I could do 300 is that okay? Yeah, yeah, do the 300 that'll be fine but just don't, don't get a gift I mean seriously Christmas is a weird time isn't it I mean we're celebrating Jesus' birthday and he doesn't get anything often at Christmas time it's like going to a, kids going to a birthday party and they walk next door and give all the presents to the next door neighbour's kid so what are you doing? Well, that's kind of what we do when we have Christmas. We'll give each other gifts and we we'll never give Jesus anything. And you might think, well, oh, that's a bit bowing. A bit corny, it's a bit tacky. Well, we deal with everyone else's birthday. What can you deal with him? So you want to be quiet man here. Here's a good one. Ask for less presents. <laughs> uh, this is not going over well, is it? Uh, <laughs> Ask for gifts that will help you invest in relationships with others. Seriously, I mean, sometimes if you just go, just give me a voucher, or, I'll them, or give me a voucher for the coffee club, because I want to invest some time in a relationship with someone else. I want to go out and spend some more time with them. Give us a voucher for a, a, a restaurant, so you can take someone out to dinner, or maybe you just get a voucher for a uh, golf for two. You know, I think golf's one of the greatest missional discipleship activities, unless one of your slices out on hooks, <laughs> alright? Because you stay with each other for about three hours. You can do that. Ask for some gifts that help you to invest in other people. And don't ask for those gifts, I mentioned this before, that you know will become a competitor for the affections of yours that belong to God. Alright, we're almost done. The last thing I want to deal with regarding, regarding Christmas this week is teach younger people than you how to do it. How to redeem consumerism and materialism. And here's my ideas. Make sure nativity scenes are part of your Christmas decorations. Are they? Yeah, make sure they are. Alright? I mean, unless you can come up with some kind of funky explanation of the spiritual significance of a pine tree. Alright? It's... We did some stuff on Santa last week. You can redeem a little bit of stuff to do with Santa, but at the end of the day, uh, make sure the nativity scene is really central because Christmas is about Jesus. You could try this one. Instead of putting the presents under the Christmas tree, put the nativity scene on the table and put the uh, family's presents under that. All right? That's breaking with a bit of a Christmas tradition, but all it'll do, it'll provide a good stimulus to actually think more about Christ. You could do that. This is something I've started doing with my boys this month, and I'm just telling you, it is going off, all right? It's going off really, really well. Offer money for any jobs done around the house for the month of December so that your children can earn money to buy Jesus Christmas present. My boys are just racking up a tally. We've got a table on the fridge, all right? And uh, I'm just offering them money all the time. Right? just for doing jobs around the place and it is so cool it is really cool they just going right up on the tally when they've done a the job and they write the amount of money that they've earned from it All right, and they get to choose the present they're going to buy for Jesus All right, and this is all in the name of that scripture where Jesus says uh, if you do anything for the least of these you do it for me All right. so I sat down and I started talking with Geordie, uh, and I said what do you think you'd like to get Jesus for Christmas that's a good question to ask alright or would you like to give Jesus for Christmas? And I started talking about, uh, last year the boys bought uh, some stuff for compassion. They bought a soccer ball and some chickens for a family and a bunch of other things, which is really cool. All right. This year I got talking with Geordie about Doug Boyle, who's with us recently, the missionary guy, who's got uh, drug rehab places over in Kazakhstan. And I was talking to Geordie about that and he goes, yeah, yeah, He goes, that's what I want to do. I want to help some people get off drugs. Woohoo, right? So now, I'm serious. I mean, this is me being generous too because I'm shelling out cash all the time. Not literally yet, but I'll get them a whole bundle of cash. Anyway, yesterday, I think it was or the day before, he goes out to Caleb and they're having this conversation. And I think this is one of the coolest Christmas conversations you could have. It's says to Caleb. He goes, what are you going to buy Jesus for Christmas?
1: <laughs> right?
0: Don't you want kids to be having that conversation? <laughs> yeah, what are you going to buy Jesus for Christmas? And Caleb goes, or I don't know, or maybe a soccer
1: ball or something. And Johnny goes, I'm going to get some people off
0: drugs for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, good Here's another option for parents, right? We're going to get down to a little bit of stuff that, uh, that relates to people who aren't parents. But organise for children to put their presents to Jesus beside a nativity scene and then replace them with gifts. This is one thing we're looking to do. So the kids will have some kind of certificate or some evidence that they've given a present to Jesus. they put that next to the nativity scene, Christmas Eve. The next morning, we're going to replace those with little gifts for the boys. All right? Because that actually communicates exactly the way Christmas works, doesn't it? It's like God, we give things to God. What does God do? Well, he blesses us more in return. That's what he does. So that's what one little thing that we're going to do uh, with our boys This is for everyone, the last couple of everyone. Don't ask children, what are you going to get from Santa? Ask them a little bit more often than what we do, what are you going to give to other people? If Jesus is right that it's more blessed to give than receive. Maybe we should be asking more questions of people as, what are you really excited to be giving to other people this Christmas? That's, according to Jesus, that seems to be more significant than getting I mean, you go everywhere. We, we go to the shops and the, you know, the car's lady leans over and she says, like, what's soon are going to bring you for Christmas? You know, and of course, Caleb's going, well, he's dead, so <laughs> he's not bringing anything. But Jesus, Jesus uh, gives me lots of stuff and Mummy and Daddy will give me some stuff too, all right? But it's a far better question. Ask each other. Let's get excited about giving. Let's get excited about generosity and ask each other, what are you going to give? What are you excited about? And on Christmas Day, rather than going around and asking everyone, what did you get? going around and ask them, what did they give? That sounds really corny, but if Jesus is right, it probably should happen a little bit more. I'm done. Thought I'd finish with this scripture. Matthew 2.11 And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Immediately after worshipping him, what did they do? Then opening their what? Their treasures. So if you really worship Jesus, you really worship God, what are you going to do? You'll open your treasures. Work out a way to use the treasures that he's given to you to look after and to steward to bring glory to him. They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I pray uh, that all of us would be really good at using our gold be generous the same way that God is what' you pray with me and we're done Jesus, it's been a long morning but Lord uh, we just want to get better um, at utilising Christ- uh, Christmas and just getting right down to the heart of what Christmas is all about I pray you'd help us to be good redeemers of cultural icons Lord we'd just write them off the two it's just materialistic and consumeristic and people just care about presents and gifts all the time God, I pray that you'd help us um, be better. And not in a self-righteous way, Lord, but just more like you. That uh, you'd help us to have a purity in the way that we do Christmas that looks like you, God, and rebuke us for self-righteousness and those moments where we think, oh, I gave more and I'm a better person and I'm more generous. Lord, rebuke us for our pride and our self-righteousness and help us to be free-givers with no strings attached. Because you do it all the time. Not just to Christians, but to everyone on the face of this planet. You give generously and freely. So Lord, help us to be more like you. Amen. Hey, uh, we're done for today. We don't have morning tea um, today, so uh, you're welcome to hang around and and chat for a bit. And if you want to throw a couple of chairs on top of each other, that'd be sweet too. Thanks for coming in. I'd like just to say, also thank you for coming here, and for Pete being so 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 here.